what are the fundamental beliefs of Islam and how can Christians respond to them? That's the question that the book Answering Islam brings up. Hi, Gary Zacharias here with the Apologist Bookshelf. This is uh, Norm Geisler's book along with Abdul Salib. Again, it's called Answering Islam. Good subtitle, The Crescent in Light of the Cross. So this is a book that's over 360-some pages, and uh, it's, it's highly recommended. Josh McDowell says it's a must for everyone concerned about defending the Christian faith, and I would agree with that. So it looks at what Islam claims and then examines the evidence for the Christian counterclaim. So it gives all sorts of really strong apologetic answers. It's thorough. This is a revised edition. It's got more resources. It's got updated information throughout the book. Let me take, uh, this time, let me take a look at chapter 10. It's called The Defense of the Bible. So uh, what uh, these authors are saying is that Muslims, to support their idea that the Quran is the inspired word of God, that it's better than any other uh, revelation, then what do they have to do? They have to look around and attack competing claims. And guess where they put a lot of their efforts? Their chief rival is the Bible. So they have two basic accusations. One is that the text of Scripture has been changed or forged. And secondly, there are doctrinal mistakes that have crept into Christian teaching. And what's that like? Well, the incarnation of Christ, the Trinity, original sin, and things like that. It's odd, they point out, though, that the Quran actually gives the Judeo-Christian scriptures really noble titles. Sometimes it calls it the Book of God, the Word of God, a light and guidance to man, a decision for all matters, which does seem odd, doesn't it, considering they're going to attack it. They said the above praise for that Bible is misleading because Muslims claim the Quran is going to supersede any other revelation. So they can pat the people that believe in the Bible on the back, but say, however, or but. And it says uh, they do pay lip service to the Bible, but their belief, the Muslim belief, is the all-sufficiency of the Quran. So they point out not that many people uh, who are Muslims study the Bible. And so uh, let's take a look at some of the charges here. So a response to Islamic charges says uh, these views about the Bible are critically flawed. It says one evidence is there's internal inconsistency within the Muslim view of Scripture itself, and it's actually contrary to the factual evidence. So they said, take a look at what the Quran says. It says the original New Testament, which is the gospel, is a revelation of God. That's in several surahs, 546, 67, 69, and 71. So it does say the original New Testament is a revelation. What else does it say? Jesus was a prophet. His words should be believed by Muslims. That's in Surah 4, 171, 5, 78. So Muslims believe all prophets are truthful because they're commissioned in the service of humanity by Almighty God, or Allah. And then it says Christians were obligated to accept the New Testament of Muhammad's day. That was uh, 7th century. So what do, what do Christians say? It says, well, if Muhammad said that they should go to the scriptures, then he wouldn't have asked them to accept a corrupted version. And the New Testament that we have today is pretty much the same as in Muhammad's day. Because today's New Testament is based on manuscripts that go back centuries before Muhammad's day. So, by that logic, Muslims should accept the authenticity of today's Bible. But if they do, then guess where they go? They're, they're stuck because they're going to have to accept the doctrines of the deity of Christ 
and the Trinity, which this book covers in some other chapters, because that's what the New Testament teaches. But the Muslims reject this. So now they got a dilemma. They're supposed to trust the New Testament, but they don't trust the New Testament. So that's inconsistent. Here's another inconsistency uh, that they see inside the Islamic view regarding the Bible. They claim the Bible is the Word of God, but they also say God's words cannot be altered or changed. Well, wait a minute. If both those statements are correct, the Bible is the Word of God and God's words can't be altered, then guess what? The Bible has not been changed or corrupted, either before or after Muhammad's time. But the Bible is corrupted according to Islamic teaching. There's a contradiction. Let me do that one more time. They claim the Bible is the Word of God, but they also say God's words can't be altered or changed. Well, then they should believe everything that's in the New Testament. Well, anyway, so there's a problem there. It says uh, Muslims that reject the New Testament actually are going contrary to the overwhelming manuscript evidence. You've got all the Gospels that are in the Chester Beatty papyri. That's about 250 A.D. And the vast majority of the New Testament is in the Vaticanus manuscript. That's about 325. There are over 5,000 other manuscripts from the 2nd century to the 15th century, hundreds before the time of Muhammad. Why, why are we bringing all this up? Because they confirm that it's the same text of the New Testament that existed in Muhammad's day. So the New Testament text of Muhammad's day is confirmed by these same manuscripts. That's the same New Testament text of Jesus' day. So we've got an unbroken chain of testimony to the very threshold of the first century to authenticate the New Testament that we have today. Uh, they give an example. For example, we have the earliest fragment of the New Testament. It's called the John Ryland fragment. That's dated in the early 100s A.D. It's got verses from John 18, and it's the same verses we have in today's New Testament. The Bodmer papyri from the 2nd century A.D. has the entire books of Peter and Jude, and they're just the same as we have today. And I like this. Here's their point. There is no evidence to indicate the New Testament message was destroyed or distorted as they claim it was. So Muslims make the claim. seems like they ought to have the evidence, and they don't. And then what else? Uh, the other thing the Muslims will often do is use liberal critics of the New Testament to show that it was corrupted. But it said even a late liberal New Testament scholar, John Robinson, he concluded the gospel was written well within the lives of the apostles, maybe between 40 and 60 A.D., then there's another New Testament critic, Linneman is the name, has concluded that the, this New Testament criticism, this negative criticism, it says uh, it, that's defunct, that it says it doesn't accurately preserve the words and deeds of Jesus. So this, uh, these people are saying, no, we can trust what's in there. It says, actually, if they use these liberal critics, to try to undermine the New Testament. They're undermining their own view of the Quran. So here's what happens. The Muslim writers quote the conclusions of liberal critics. But what are the liberal critics saying? These people that are critics are anti-supernaturalists. So they criticize the Bible, and then the Muslims pick up on that and say, see, well, wait a minute. The, the people that criticize the Bible would obviously just as much, maybe more so, criticize the Quran. Yeah. Okay, so that's a problem. They would, uh, they would uh, shoot themselves in the foot that way, wouldn't they? It says, 
Muslims seems, seem blissfully unaware that these critics have an anti-supernatural bias. And if they applied that to the Quran, they would destroy the Muslim beliefs too. So I said, in short, you can't have Muslims appealing to criticisms of the New Testament that are based on the belief that miracles don't occur. That undermines their own faith. So to summarize this section, if, if Christians in Muhammad's day were obligated to accept the New Testament, and if we have all this abundant manuscript evidence that confirms the New Testament today that we have is essentially the same, then even according to the Quran itself, Christians should be obligated to accept the teachings of the New Testament today. Oh, but there's a problem, isn't there? The New Testament today affirms that Jesus is the Son of God who died on the cross for our sins and rose three days later, but that's contrary to the Quran. So Muslims who reject the authenticity of the New Testament are finding that's inconsistent with their own belief in the inspiration of the Quran. Let me move to another section uh, that Geisler and uh, Salib get into, and that's inconsistent use of the Bible. In other words, they're going to find key verses in the Bible that say are a problem and uh, don't make any sense. I'm going to skip the part where they talk about the Old Testament. Let's go to the New Testament. So here's an example. Matthew 1.1 says, Most Muslim critics of the Bible make a big deal about the contradiction between Matthew and Luke's genealogical list of Jesus' ancestors. Right, we know that Jesus has a different grandfather in Luke than he does in Matthew 1. Which one's the right one? And these two authors, Geisler and Salib, say very simply, point to the obvious. The two, two genealogies are referencing two different lines of ancestors. One is traced through Joseph. Why? Because that was Jesus' legal father. And the other is traced through his actual mother, Mary. So Matthew gives the official line that shows that Jesus has the Jewish Messiah's credentials. Jews thought that the Messiah would come from the seed of Abraham and in the line of David. But Luke, he has a different audience in mind, doesn't he? He has a broader Greek audience. So he presents Jesus as the perfect man. That's Greek thought. So he traces Jesus back to the first man, Adam. So Matthew gives Jesus' paternal genealogy. Luke gives the maternal genealogy. And we get several facts that support that. It says both lines trace Christ to David, but they go through a different son of David. Matthew goes through Joseph to David's son Solomon. And that's how Christ inherited the throne of David. But Luke is to show Christ as an actual human, so he traces Christ to David's other son Nathan through his actual mother Mary. Now he can claim to be fully human as the redeemer of the world. So the Muslim attacks don't seem uh, really strong. Uh, they also have contradictions, they say, Muslims say, in the resurrection accounts. They point out alleged contradictions in the account of the resurrection. So it says uh, they're not going to spend time in this chapter going over that. Uh, but they, it says they are long on criticism and short on proof. <laughs> it says they really have not discovered a single error in the Bible. The only error to be found are in their criticisms, they said. So Geisler claims that he and Salib have examined every error that's alleged in the Bible over the past 40 years, and they haven't found a single one. They deal with 800 of these supposed errors in another book that they wrote called When Critics Ask. I have that one too. It says there, there are biblical difficulties, yes, but there aren't biblical errors. And other scholars have come to the same conclusion. 
They said, you know, the Bible has been scrutinized by some of the best legal minds over and over again throughout history and found to be authentic. They use uh, Simon Greenleaf, who's a great Harvard legal expert, as an, as an example. He examined the New Testament by legal standards, and he concluded, and here's a quote from Simon Greenleaf, copies which have been as universally received and acted upon as the four Gospels would have been received in evidence in any court of justice without the slightest hesitation. So it says the Bible stands solid even under strict cross-examination of great legal minds. So I will stop at that point. But uh, I like this book, and I'll be coming back to it again. It's a rich book called Answering Islam. And we need answers, and thank goodness there are answers to some of these attacks. And by the way, do you notice the attacks that are made by Muslims are not strictly isolated to Muslims? Others are doing the same kind of thing. They, they attack the resurrection accounts, and they attract, uh, attack the genealogy accounts. I mean, it's, uh, it's, this book is so good because it'll give you a, a stronger apologetics appreciation and confidence in the Bible, especially the New Testament and the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. So even if you're not concerned about Islam or you don't have any Muslim friends or anything like that, this book is excellent because of what it tells you about the Bible itself. Geiser, of course, is a great source. Okay, well, thanks, and um, have a good rest of your day.